Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the anointing of your word to hit our hearts and that we'd have spiritual ears to hear what you want to say to us, that we pick up what your spirit is saying to our hearts, Lord, that you would draw near Draw us nearer to you. Show us how beautiful you are, how glorious you are, how magnificent you are, Lord, in every way. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, I want to share on a, on a subject that I really believe um, the enemy uses this tactic against the church. He uses this uh, um, against the enemy. I think I might have preached this message once before, but I really feel it's a, the right season to talk about how the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, who fell to become Satan, Satan and all his cohorts, the evil spirits, the enemy uses compromise against God's people. Compromise. It's one of his greatest uh, sort of tactic against us because um, uh, once you understand the nature of compromise, then you realize why he uses it. And, and let me just explain, first of all, what, what the word compromise means. And compromise actually means an agreement or settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. Okay. Um, in other words, you can say eventually they reached a compromise. Or another definition is to compromise is to make a deal between different parties where each party gives up a part of their demand or a part of the argument. Compromise is a concept of finding agreement through communication, through mutual acceptance of terms, often involving variations from an original goal or desire. Now, why does the enemy use compromise? Because God's original intention, his goal, his desire is to have you and to have me. He, he desires your heart. God's so in love with you that he wants all of you. And, and that's what love demands. You know, we know that the first commandment is to love God with all his, our heart, our soul, our mind, our will, our strength, to love Him with all our hearts. Why? Because He deserves to be loved with all our, our hearts. Like, He's so beautiful. And that's the way He loves you. He loves you with all His heart. He loves you with everything He has. That's how the Father loves you. And so we're, uh, we're also told to love one another as we love God. So as we love God purely, we are able to love others. So God... God's demand on us or God's desire for us, He wants our heart, but the enemy wants our heart. He, he, wants us, he hates God so much that He wa- doesn't want us to love God. So His desire is to take our heart. So what's he, what's he trying to do? He's trying to make a deal. He's trying to make a compromise. He's trying to say, okay, yeah, you can have this relationship with God, but have this too. Have this idol as well. Have, let me take this part of your life. Let me take this. In other words, He, he, he can't take all of your heart. He'll take a little bit. It'll take a little bit. It'll take a little bit. And over time, who wants to take all of it? And that's, that's the enemy's sort of desire. So you understand the way the compromise works is this old story of the frog. Um, if you, you put a frog in a boiling hot pot of water, if it's already boiling, you throw the frog in it, just jumps straight out. But if you uh, have nice, cool water, the frog's in there, and you slowly, slowly heat up the water. So ever so slowly, it just gets comfortable. It just gets warmer. He likes it. It's relaxing. And it gets hotter and hotter. And slowly, it's hotter. Eventually, this is what the form of compromise will do. Eventually, the, that frog will die and, in the boiling water because it, it happens so gradually. 
And that, that's what the enemy is trying to do to the believer. He wants to slowly turn up the heat, the waters of the world, the, you know, the desires of the flesh, the lust of other things, the desires of other things, the deceitfulness of riches. He's trying to slowly heat it up. When I think of compromise, obviously um, some compromise is good. In other words, when it comes to marriage, you have to ha learn the art of compromise. In relationships, you have to learn how to compromise with one another. And so in marriage, you, there's a lot of things we compromise on to, uh, to, to, to keep the peace, so to speak. Now, we don't compromise, uh, sorry, we compromise in preference, but we don't compromise in principle. So preferences is things, I don't know, things that I like. Like we can compromise on the color of our car, you know, or the type of car you drive or the, uh, the restaurants that, that you want to eat at or the cafe that you want to go to. You can compromise on those things. So even the, 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 the color of the church building or the color of the carpet in the church building or the style of worship, those sort of things you can compromise on. It's a style, method of worship, not the worship itself, but the style of it. You can compromise on it. There's a lot of things, it's preference. We can compromise on preference, but you can't compromise on principle. In other words, we never ever compromise on the essentials of our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is only Him and Him only can save us. That He was sinless, that He died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for us. That when you put your faith in Christ and Christ alone, we are forgiven and we have a relationship with God and we're, we're, we're able to um, have a relationship with God. Therefore, we can go to heaven and there's no more hell for us. You, can't, you, don't, you don't compromise on those essentials. You don't compromise on your convictions or your conscience. But on our preferences, yes, you can compromise. And so we know Daniel, uh, he compromised with the Babylonian leaders when he was taken captive as a young man. And he didn't want to eat the meat and the wine and all the things that they were offering him. And the, the pork, the, as a Jew, he wasn't allowed to eat it. There was a lot of dirt, uh, unclean animals that the Word of God told him he's not allowed to eat it. So he said to them, can you just give us vegetables? They pretty much said, no way, because you're going to get weak. You're going you're gonna to get scrawny and skinny and we're going to get in trouble. We get killed for it. And so he said to those leaders over him, he said, look, just try it for two, two or three weeks. I think it was. Let's try it for three weeks. And if we are not healthier and more plumped and more fat <laughs> than everybody else, then don't, don't, don't give us that food. So the... the the, the commander, the leader, allowed him to do that. And he ate vegetables only and was healthier, more plumped, more fit and strong than everybody else. And so it, it was a compromise reached there. So compromise is good when you use it correctly. When I think of how the enemy wants to use compromise, and when you understand Mark chapter 4, and it talks about the sower sows the word, God is the great sower. Jesus is the sower. He takes the seed and he sows it into the ground. We know the story of this. The ground is the heart of man. And when it falls on good ground, that, that, that seed produces fruit and produces a tree and produces many fruit and, and we become powerful. So many times that Jesus used this picture of what can I compare the kingdom of God like? What can I use as a comparison? Is It's like a mustard seed that if you put into the ground, and you go to sleep night and day and you don't know how it grows, but it grows and it becomes a massive tree. And he goes, this is how the kingdom of God is. That it's like a seed falling into the ground, falling on good ground, water, the sunlight, and it slowly, think about how a seed slowly grows into a plant, slowly grows into a tree, slowly grows larger and larger and larger. It takes time for a seed. They're talking about the kingdom of God's influence in your life. It takes time for it to grow its influence. Well, the enemy uses seeds. He uses this principle in the opposite. How do I know that? In Mark chapter 4, it talks about that the cares of the world. Jesus refers to the thorns. Remember when it fell on thorny ground? 
when the seed of God's word fell on thorny ground, there was thorns there and there was the seed of God's word. So the seed of God is growing as a small plant, but the thorns are there too. And he explains what the thorns are. The thorns are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things. And it doesn't matter what it is. It can just be the desires of other things. It could be good things. But the, that, that desire of those things take first preference or first priority in your life. It takes your time, takes your energy, takes your emotional energy, takes everything about you because those things start to creep in and it says it chokes the word. It grows. Those thorny bushes grow, 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 grow. It takes the nourishment out of the ground, your heart, and it takes the nourishment, the minerals, the vitamins that are in the ground. It takes it and the thorny root, it actually says, when you look at the word choke, it means to strangle completely. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to strangle completely the Word of God in our lives. How does he do it? Slowly, little by little, seed, puts the wrong seed in, waters that seed, that seed slowly grows, slowly grows. So, so slowly, the enemy eventually takes you out. That's the way the enemy uses. He uses a seed. Have you ever seen a tree's roots break concrete? Or, you know, or, or, or even... A, um, Plants breaking through. Now, those plants breaking through a concrete, it's not the plants itself breaking the concrete. It finds a little crack. It finds a little crack and gets through it. But the roots, as the roots slowly grow, we're talking about the tree constantly gets water from the ground, water underneath the ground, and the roots expand. It happens so slowly, but it's so strong. The growth of those trees and those roots, because it's getting the, root, the, the water from the ground and it's getting the, the sunlight, it breaks concrete. It can split concrete up. Slowly by slowly, it's so ever so slowly that you can't tell. You, can, you can't see it with the human eye, but it takes years and years, sometimes 10, day, 10 years, 20 years before that root breaks through that concrete. It's the same principle the enemy wants to use against God's people. It's that little by little compromise. And let me explain to you what makes compromise so dangerous. What makes compromise so dangerous is the subtle way it approaches us. Compromise, by definition, doesn't involve a wholesale and complete surrender to the worldly ways or ideals. It's, in other words, it's not like just throw yourself to this worldly way or ideals, but it accommodates the worldly ways. Most of us would completely deny and recall to the thought of tossing Jesus, tossing Jesus aside and embracing an idol. See, the enemy's not going to whisper, just get rid of Jesus and grab an idol and worship an idol. The enemy's not going to whisper, why don't you just um, sleep with that woman over there, a stranger? No, you won't hear that voice. But it's that thought, that emotion, that little by little, that little attention, that little thing that you allow inside of you, little by little, little by little, little by little. And it takes years before the enemy can break down your defenses. And then, in other words, people don't fall into sin overnight. Even great men of God, great women of God that you know of, and have heard of, and I don't have to mention names, but many great men of God have fallen. And we say, how did they, how could they possibly fall? I know friends of mine that have fallen into adultery, who were ministers, who was a pastor of a church, and, and, and they fell. Now, they didn't fall overnight. And, we, and you might look at that. How could they do that gross sin? How could they commit adultery with another woman when they're married and they've got kids? Well, it didn't, they didn't fall overnight. The enemy didn't whisper overnight and they said, yes. What happened is little by little, little by little, little by little, we're talking about 10 to 20 years, somehow the enemy allowed you, that person allows that compromise in. The crack comes in and little by little, the enemy uses compromise 
In other words, compromise says that we can have an idol and keep Jesus too. In other words, you don't have to get rid of Jesus, just keep him. <laughs> That's what compromise says. There's, there's room on the shelf for one more object of worship. Right? In other words, it's okay if you have this one as well as Jesus. That's how compromise looks like. But it, it, it creeps in little by little to the point that we don't even realize it came in. And so, Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, Jesus rebukes the church in Theatra because they tolerated, the word tolerate, tolerated the woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. You tolerate her to teach and seduce or deceive my people to commit sexual immorality and to eat things offered to idols. Jesus rebuked the church because they tolerated. In other words, they allowed this wrong teaching and seducing spirits, deceiving spirits, who allowed sexual immorality to come in. Now, how did sexual immorality come in? Little by little, little by little. But they allowed it. Through compromise, they allowed it to come in. And Jesus rebuked them and said, you've got to get rid of this. Um, so, so, I just want to show you this. A lot of scriptures in the Bible that gives us understanding. So, uh, the, John, uh, the, the book of John, um, chapter 2, for all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. So we know that desires of the flesh, the pride of life, and, and, the, and the desires of the eyes is not from the Father, but is of this world. That's what's in the world. You know, Colossians 2 talks about, see to it that no one takes you captive by the philosophy and empty deceit According to the human tradition, according to the elements, the element spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Make sure no one gets you captive when you start the philosophies of this world, the empty deceits of this world. Don't let that take you captive little by little. Don't let the compromise of the wrong stuff, the wrong teaching, the wrong thinking, the wrong mindset. Don't let it come in because it, once you accept the wrong truth, lies and deception and wrong philosophies and the worldly philosophies philosophies of this world, excuse me, when you do that, then you don't follow Christ. It's these little things coming in, wrong beliefs that you take in that allow us to let go of Christ, little by little. We don't do it overnight. Did you know that Lot, this is in the Bible, right? The story of Abraham and Lot. Abraham was pitching, his, his, um, he's bringing his life and he's going towards Bethel. We know the word Bethel means the house of God. You find it in the Bible, right? And, and, and Lot was pitching towards Sodom. And there was a time where they, you know, they, they were so prosperous, so blessed with their herds and hundreds of servants and thousands of animals and herds that they couldn't all feed in the same you know, paddock of, of field. And it was, even though it was very large, there were so many, and they started to, the herdsmen were fighting. And Abraham had a heart to say, you choose wherever you want to. Because we are brethren and we shouldn't be fighting. In other words, relationship was more important to Abraham. He valued his relationship with God, his inheritance, and his, and his nephew, Lot, that he said, you choose. If you, if you choose the right, I'll go to the left. If you choose the left, I'll go to the right. Now, he wasn't concerned about the physical blessing. He was more concerned about relationship, with his relationship with God and relationship with people. And Lot says he chose. He looked at the field and it was so um, luxurious and so beautiful that he goes, I'll choose this area for myself. So he had himself in mind. And then it says that he pitched and he looked towards Sodom. He started to get his eyes upon the city of Sodom. Second Peter chapter 2 says this about Lot. 
For by what he, Lot, saw and heard that righteous man, because what he saw and what he heard while living among them, felt, talking about living among them in the Sodom and Gomorrah's, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, while he lived among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by these lawless deeds. So when he moved in, he was okay. It wasn't too bad. But this, we're talking about year after year, year after year, years after years, he eventually got affected by what he was seeing, by what he was hearing. The lawless deeds are all around him to the point that when the angels came and uh, to speak to him, to, to bring him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, to save him, they wanted to... Uh, they came to the, the, the middle of the courtyards of the city and um, these guys wanted to rape them. That's how bad it is. Homosexual acts towards these guys. And because they're Lot's guests, he goes, no, no, no. And he says, take my two virgins. I mean, what a, what a really bad thing to say. Take my virgin daughters instead of doing it with my uh, uh, friends or my, who I'm hosting. He was worried about his reputation. He was worried about how he looked. And he, and, and, but he's so succumbed to the sexual immorality of that city that he goes, take my daughters instead and sleep with them. I mean, it, it shows us how much he, de he was depraved little by little by what he saw, by what he allowed himself to see. We're living in a modern world that we're, we've got so many temptations on our left, right and center. You know, it's, it's not to mention the, the quick society. Everything's instant. Everything's so at our fingertips and, and we, we can get distracted. Get busy doing other things other than spending our quality time with our Father and spending time with the Lord. We've got to be careful because this is how the enemy works against us. Solomon allowed compromise to come in. King Solomon was a great king, but he allowed compromise. And we know that he had many concubines and we know he had many wives. But we do also know that he married women from other nations other than Israel, like Jewish people. Jewish women. So, so maybe it started, this is my just you know, thought, maybe it started with a woman was half caste, you know, she was half Jew, but she also was mixed with a, another nation. So you go, oh, that's okay. God understands because he knew well that God said you should not intermarry with other nations that worship idols and, and, and false gods. So maybe little by little he compromised, but we know to the end of his life, he fully, fully was um, off track. You know, he lost the track. We know that he came back on track eventually, but he really missed it through the compromise that was coming on him. You know, we've got to understand pain is good. You know, I'm talking about pain. Now, I want to talk about pain for a moment because pain in our spirit is conviction, right? Conviction in our conscience. It gives us a warning. You feel it in your spirit, right? And, and um, lepers, the lepers lose their fingers and limbs, not because the leprous disease is decaying the flesh, but it's because they, the leprous disease eats up the nerves and they no longer can feel. They have no feel, no touch whatsoever. So they accidentally burn themselves. They accidentally cut themselves. They accidentally wound themselves over time because they can't feel. So the sensation of pain and feeling warns them so they don't harm themselves. But because they can't have any feeling, because of the leprosy, they a lot of times end up with no fingers because of, of over time they wound themselves through burning, not realizing it was hot, uh, cutting themselves, not realizing. And so little by little, they lose their limbs. And, and I, I always say this, this example that if you're walking on the beach and you cut yourself, pain is a friend. Pain 
is to tell us something's wrong. If, if I step on a, a glass, if I'm walking on the beach and I step on, my, on a glass and I cut my foot open quite badly, like a strong gash, if the pain was not there, let's say I didn't even feel it. Let's say there was no such thing as pain. I walk and I keep walking. I don't realize I've been cut. Let's say I don't notice that I'm bleeding. What's going to happen? I can bleed to death. But the pain gives me the awareness, the attention that I've been cut. I better attend to it. I've got to fix this because if I don't fix this, I'm going to bleed to death. And spiritually is the same thing. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of something, of sin, of a compromise in our life, if you just if you ignore it, I believe you can spiritually, emotionally bleed out and you don't even realize it. It happens so slowly. It could take years and years, but you're losing strength. Little by little, your, your conscience gets seared. It gets harder. It gets harder. It gets harder and it gets harder. And we don't realize you know, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, we know the story of Nehemiah really quickly. He was rebuilding the walls. And at this point, he rebuilt all the walls except for the gates. And they weren't you know, fully there, but, but they had a lot of progress. So the enemy was intimidated and afraid and wants to stop this progress. Because when you're progressing in God, the enemy hates the fact that you are progressing in God. So look what it says here. Um, then because of the growth, then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together at, at Cherephim in the plain of Ono, but they were planning to harm me. Now this is the enemy. It sounded like they wanted to negotiate a, a truce and a peace treaty. And it, politically, it might have been a very important me meeting to go to. And, you know, because Nehemiah is the leader of, of this, this movement of rebuilding Jerusalem. And, and so this is what Nehemiah said. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? He didn't want to compromise. In other words, the enemy is trying to distract him. The enemy is trying to get him to compromise the work. He's so focused in rebuilding the work. And he says, why should I stop this great work? This is a great work. I'm, I'm fulfilling the call of God. I'm fulfilling the purpose of God. I'm doing what God's called me to do. The enemy says, come, let's go talk. He's trying to compromise the purpose, the vision, and all that he's called to do. They sent messengers to me four times in this manner. And I answered them in the same way. Think about it. Four times. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four. Four times. And the enemy tries to get him to compromise. He knows if I can only get him to compromise. But Nehemiah goes, no, I won't come. No, He had a revelation that you actually want him to meet me because you want to harm me. It's not for me. It's not a good meeting. You get me distracted and I'm not going to compromise the call of what God's called me to do. Now, <coughs> you see the story in Judges chapter 16, verse 15 to 17. If you want to read it, it's Samson, the great anointed strong man who would carry city gates and, 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 and go up the mountain and who caught, I think it was a thousand foxes with his bare hands tied their tails. He was phenomenally anointed by God. And, and he, he had a problem though. He, he allowed compromise into his life. I think of what Samson could have done if he never allowed compromise to come in. Imagine what someone like him could have done. Could have set Israel completely free from the Philistines. But, but he, you know, he did some great work, don't get me wrong, but he had some weaknesses. His weaknesses were women. And his weaknesses was, I mean, the beginning of this chapter, it says that he, he slept with a prostitute. Now, he shouldn't have done that, but he, this is what he does. And, and the pro, you know, he sleeps with his prostitute. He doesn't do it the way God wants him to do it, like find a wife from his own nation and so on. But he does the wrong stuff. And then he falls in love with Delilah. And, 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 and this is a big problem. But Delilah wants to 
The, the word Delilah speaks of um, chaining you up. And so Delilah starts saying, come and tell me. Come on, Samson, what's the secret to your power? Why have you got so much power? Why are you so strong? And he says, oh, if you, you, know, if you tie me up with um, fresh green uh, cords, uh, then I won't have any strength. And, and so she does that, gets him drunk, gets him, falls, falls asleep, and then ties him up. And then he goes, hey, enemies are upon you. And he sort of breaks it instantly. He doesn't tell her the real secret. But this happens three times. Three times. And eventually, Delilah gets more and more frustrated and says, you know, you don't really love me. You've, you've deceived me three times. I mean, first of all, Samson should be woke up, woke up to the fact that Delilah's trying to trap him and Delilah's trying to get the secret of his power because she wants to, uh, she, she's been paid by the Philistines and that she's betraying him. And he doesn't see it, doesn't wake up to it. Eventually, the Bible says that Samson was so nagged. In the Passion Translation, it says she nagged him and nagged him and nagged him and nagged him. And, and, and I think the NIV talks about that even to death. Like he was so annoyed, he felt like dying. I mean, he goes, you know what? I'm just going to tell her. What did he do? He compromised his conviction. He compromised his conviction and told her the real secret of his power was his relationship, his commitment to his God, that he would, no, no razor would touch his hair. And it wasn't the power of the not cutting his hair. It was the fact that he made a vow to God, a commitment to God in faith and relationship. And, but he broke it and gave the secret away. And when he did that, he actually lost his power. And the Bible says, Samson did not know that the Lord had departed. What a sad Scripture. Imagine the anointing of God leaving you and you don't even know he left you. But you still think you're anointed. And you get up and he gets to fight everyone and he hasn't got the strength. And as you know the story, the enemy good, um, guards, good guards, uh, or breaks his eyes, uh, um, destroys his eyes with um, hot rods, blinds him. Totally blinds him. Now that's what happens. You get spiritually blind. If you let compromise to come in, you lose your sight. You lose your spiritual sight. They chained him up as well. He's a prisoner. And he goes into prison. He, he does the grinding thing. I mean, imagine what, what Samson could have become. Imagine what Samson could have done. Yes, he defeated 3,000 Philistines at the end of his life with the pillars. And, and, and he killed more people in the end act of his life than all of his life put together. But that's not, the point is, God had a call. And he allowed compromise to cut it short. And so this, it's, it's all over the Bible. Matthew 4 is, is a story of Jesus going into the wilderness. We know from chapter 1 to 11 that he was led by the Spirit. We know that he got filled by the Spirit when he got baptized. The Spirit of God came down on it like a dove. The Spirit of God saturated him, baptized him. And he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And what happens? He gets tempted by Satan. If you're the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. Turn this stone to bread, see? And, and he goes, oh, man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't succumb. He didn't compromise. He didn't yield. And, and he, three of those temptations, the Bible says in Luke 4, verse 24, after those temptations that he came through it, he didn't yield to sin. He didn't yield to the compromise. The Bible says he was endured with power from on high. He came out of the wilderness with power. He went in filled with the Spirit, but he came out with power because he passed the test. And he because of his love for the Father, he didn't want to grieve the Father's relationship. He, what stops Jesus from sinning, what stops you and I from sinning and compromising is because, no, this will grieve my love relationship with God. You know, there's been, there's been many generals, great men and women of God that have fallen and even to the last of their days, they, they, they went off track because little by little the enemy tried to 
get compromise to happen, compromise into their life. It lose, you lose focus when you allow compromise to come into your life. I think of a magnifying glass where, you know, if the sun, sun rays are hitting the ground, it this, it's not doing anything, but with a magnifying glass, it grabs the sun rays and concentrates it into one point, and then you've got some power happening. It can burn stuff, and it's like the laser of light. You know, it, it can burn through stuff and burn through metal and so on because of the concentration of light. This is what happens when we concentrate the power of God into focus. You see this even with Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27. In verse 27, it says, But I keep under my body. He's talking about an athlete running in the games, in the Olympic games, and, and they, they are disciplined to get the prize. But we are also disciplined, not just to get a worldly prize or a, a, an earthly carnal crown, of glory, a crown, but we get the crown of glory when we discipline ourselves. And he's talking about that context. They're not beating the air. They don't waste punches like a boxer. But then he says, but I keep under my body. In other words, I beat my body down and bring it into subjection. I bring my body into subjection. Paul, the apostle, the great anointed one who raised the dead, who healed the sick, who preached the gospel, shook the world upside down, wrote 14 letters of the New Testament. He says, I beat my body. There's times when my flesh wants to do something. I said, no, you beat it. No. And he goes this, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway means worthless, thrown away, useless. He goes, as anointed as he is, as much as he knows God and the great revelations that God has given him and how he's walking with God, he goes, I also have to buffet my body. I have to tell my body what to do. I beat it down. I tell it no when it has to say no. Why? Because lest I myself, as anointed as Paul is, could be a castaway. It really puts the fear of God and the reverence and the oneness of, of what we carry. Last week, I talked about the power of decision. We have decisions. Uh, the power of the will, the human will, because we're made in God's image and God's likeness. You know, I'm being really, really honest with you now. We've been forced because of COVID, because of lockdown. We've had four months. I know it was forced upon us. It was not something that we wanted to do. But the fact that it was forced upon God's people, reality is, let's be honest with what we've been forced upon. You know, we can sleep in on Sunday. You know, why could we sleep in on Sunday? Because... We're locked down and you know you, you turn on the, the screen to watch church or to be in, on, in church online and it's at 10.30 and so you know and then it finishes in an hour, hour and a half and, and it's, it's it. You don't even drive anywhere. Think about we need to now start thinking, you know what? We've got to get our kids ready. If you've got children, you've got to get them ready in the morning, Sunday morning. And it could be, it could be again, I'm, what I'm saying is the compromise has set in so slowly we don't even realize well, we're going to have to make some effort. We have to wake up early again. We have to get our children ready, get in the car, get them all packed. Get, if you've got little babies, get the nappies, you know, get all, get all the, the, the bottles ready, get all the bags ready, get everything, the clothes ready, get everything ready. It takes a lot of effort. Do it at nighttime if you have to. It's when there's priority, you do with these things. And you drive if it's half an hour, if it's one hour, whatever it might take to get to the physical building. Why? Because we don't want to compromise in the area of forsaking ourselves together. It says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. This is vital. We were not called to fellowship with screens. We can't do community and family just on screens. Now, we will use this technology. We will use this method. We use Zoom meetings. We use the online uh, platform 100%. We'll continue to do it. When we're in person, we will still be online. But 
don't use that as an excuse. Don't use it, oh good, I can stay home, I'll sleep in, I'll watch it online. No, make the effort. Don't let compromise set in. Please hear my heart as a shepherd and as a pastor. I, you know, Kristen and I have been ministering and, and in, we're leading this church for over 30, almost 31 years in November. So we've been in the ministry over 30 years and we've seen some things. And I can tell you now, people that loved God with all their heart and, and the way the enemy brought the compromise in, it happened so slowly they didn't notice it. And I'm telling you, it takes sometimes years. And I've seen it in styles of... Now, I'm just using this as an example and it, and it can fit with you in other areas. But I'm just trying to help us think how the enemy tries get his, 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 his uh, seed to grow little by little, little by little, little by little, where that becomes stronger than the plant of the Lord. It starts to choke the word. And I've seen people where, you know, little by little, their hearts get cold before Jesus. Now, we're talking about losing eyesight to Jesus. Obviously, the first thing that, that starts is you probably start, stop spending time in the word. You stop fellowshipping with Jesus. You stop you know, adoring Him and loving Him in your own room, in your own time. And, you know, when I first fall in love with Jesus at the age of 19, I got born again. I had no time for nothing but this Word. I just devoured this Word. I didn't want nothing else. I didn't want to do anything except I devoured this because this is the words of the eternal life and the, the, my Lord's Word put in print and I wanted to know Him, man. I didn't have time for TV. I didn't have time for stuff around. Just nothing. Just the Word. And now the enemy tries to creep in. It's like, it's that, that's what goes first. Then it's like, uh, you, you, you sort of sit, you used to sit at the front, and you know, the front, can't wait to worship God in the church building in front of everybody, with everybody together. You're at the front. Eventually it's like in the middle, then it's at the back, then it's more in the back, then it's like you come in, then you start coming late, little by little. We're talking about months. Sometimes a year or two goes past, just coming in late. When it, then you start irregular, come whenever you can, come whenever it's convenient. Come whenever it's just, uh, oh, I've got nothing else on, I'll go now. I've got this on, I can't come. I'm tired, I won't come. It's the little compromises that start to creep in. Please hear my heart. And, 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 and before you know it, I've seen people, I can name family after family after family in my mind. I would never do this. That have left. And, and sometimes it was, oh, now it's too far to drive. Uh, you know, like it's a half an hour, it's too far to drive, or one hour, too far to drive. We'll go to a church nearby here. Now, okay, if God's leading you to that church, but if you're making a decision based on compromise, I can tell you, and I've seen it time and time again, they don't go eventually. It might take months, it might even take a year or two. I've seen people go, oh, we'll go to this church because it's more convenient, a large church or whatever. It's great, praise God. But you know what? If God didn't call you then, you're doing it out of compromise, little by little. And I've seen where they're, they, they're talking about 20 years of experience, uh, 20 years of growth, 20 years of seeing the little kids that were in the house of God, worshiping the king together, and they become adults, and they become teenagers, or they become adults, and those same parents sometimes have asked us, please help us, my kid is this, my kid's doing that, can you sit with my, my son, can you sit with my adult son now? And you know what, their commitment is reflecting your commitment. So your lack of commitment to Jesus, now they're reflecting the same your lack of submission to the Lordship of Jesus, they're reflecting the same thing. They're doing what you showed them to do. I'm just showing us prior, uh, our compromise, how compromise to, how, it, how the enemy wants to set it in. It's little by little, little by little. No great man or woman of God fell overnight. And it grieves my heart when I think people that, that my friends, people that I love, people, you know, even one person that I helped disciple, then we planted him out. 20 years later, he fell. Now, he wasn't like that when I was with him. 
But it was the, what, what happened? Only God knows. But little by little, little by little, somehow compromise set in. Somehow we weren't spending time with Jesus. And we're not doing this out of love for Jesus. Somehow we let the wrong thoughts come, wrong emotions come. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, by God's grace and by, by God's goodness, don't allow the enemy to come in this area. I want to read a prayer. This is in Psalms. Psalms 139, verse 23. Love this prayer. Listen to this. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Pray this right now. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Because sometimes we don't see it. But Lord, I'm allowing you. I'm welcoming you. Come into every room. Come into every closet. Come into every room I've closed. Anything that's hidden isn't, shouldn't be there. Lord, reveal to me what I've allowed to come in. Put me to the test and sit through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on. Remember the pain? Cut in the, gla- the, cut in the foot. The pain is to tell you something's wrong. If your spirit is convicting you, deal with it because you can get you can get so so seared in your conscience. You won't even feel it anymore. Why do people fall away? Because they don't feel it. They don't see it anymore. Their eyes are gouged out. That's the word I was trying to find out. They gouged Moses, uh, Samson's eyes with a hot iron and burnt his eyes. And he couldn't see a thing. Spiritually blind. And he said, lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. Isn't that beautiful? Lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. It's all about Him. Bring me back to the path that brings me back to you, Lord. Everything we do. We're not talking about compromise. It's because we don't want to grieve our love relationship with God. I don't want to hinder what we have together, Lord. I don't want to, I want to experience your presence. I want to know your presence. I want to live in your presence. I want to abide in you all the time. So, Father, I pray for every single one of us that we'd be true to you, God that we'll be honest with ourselves. And the things in our lives, even about getting back to church uh, gatherings, gathering in person, getting back to serving you, Lord, and, and, and putting up the sleeves. You know, the harvest time is here. Not waiting for it. It's here. And at the harvest time, the farmers work the most. That's when they work the hardest. So what are we doing? We're pulling up the sleeves and saying, Lord, I'm in love with you and I'm going to serve your cause. I'm going to serve the church. I'm going to serve. I'm going I'm to do the work. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to do the work. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to act on it. And so, Father, I thank you that areas in our life that we have to say no to, areas in our life that we've succumbed to laziness, comfort, comfortability, convenience lifestyle, instant gratifications, whatever it is, Father God, we submit it to you. We get rid of the idols off the shelf. We don't want to have Jesus and all the idols, but we get rid of the idols and say, Lord Jesus, we want you. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.